Today I want to talk to you about our secret pain. Our secret pain. You know, sometimes we have pain in our life, but other people don't know about it. And we don't want to talk about it. We don't carry a sign that says, I'm in pain. Uh, and sometimes we try to hide that pain. Not too long ago, I was speaking at a conference in another state, and I happened to go to the fitness center, and I tried out a, a, a machine, an exercise machine that I wasn't used to working, and I did it wrong. And uh, I was lifting something, and I felt something in my back. And then about an hour later, I was walking like I was 90 years old. And, you know, you don't want to tell people, hey, I didn't know how to use the machine and I got injured. So you're, you're just trying to do the normal things. You're trying to walk. And how many of you know the older you get, it's not just the gym. It's bending down to tie your shoes and suddenly like, uh-oh, what happened there? Um, some of you have discovered aches and pains you, knew, you never knew you had. And so I, I just was, could barely walk, could barely get around, but, you know, you're trying to act like you're not in pain and you're walking a little funny. People say, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. But you're distracted because you're sitting there and you're in pain. You're walking, you're in pain. Pain takes your attention. It causes you to be distracted a little bit. It causes you not to be able to concentrate because pain, because pain demands your attention. Some of you are here today, and you have secret pain. Now you put your makeup on, you dress it up, you look like you're not, but you're in pain. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be spiritual, but you're in pain. And when you're in pain, it demands your attention. It distracts you from life. It wants relief. And so many people have tried to placate their pain, find relief from their pain, but are still living in pain. I recently read an article in the Washington Post, by the way, that talked about some of the mental anguish and pain happening in our society right now. And we are experiencing younger people in mental pain more than probably we've had in decades before. In fact, this article said that four out of every ten youth, that means teens, would describe themselves as in persistent sadness or hopeless. That means 40% of teens say that they are persistently sad and have strong bouts or ongoing bouts of hopelessness, and one in, one in every five has seriously considered suicide. What are we talking about? We're talking about mental pain. And so today I want you to listen to this passage and what God is telling us out of the Word of God because I believe that pain can drive you to dark places and the pursuit of relief that oftentimes leads us to enslavement or to addiction or we run to relief but we find ourselves in slaves or pain can actually drive you to God. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 34. The same account is found also in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26, 
and in Luke chapter 8, verses 41 through 56. It's unusual because it's found in three of the four Gospels, the same story told from a different perspective. It's about a woman. We don't know her name, but it's about a woman that has lived 12 years with secret pain. And I believe that whether you're a man or a woman today, I believe that a lot of people will be able to relate to this woman's story and her encounter with Jesus. Verse 21 of Mark chapter 5 reads this way. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. By this time, Jesus' reputation had spread. People were following Jesus. Some wanted to catch him saying something wrong. Some were against him. Some were sick and hurting and lame. And some were oppressed demonically. And some wanted a revolutionary. And some were looking to, for a Messiah. And some were just curious because they heard he did miracles. But thousands of people gathered around, chased after Jesus. And then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So here's the scenario, thousands of people around Jesus crowded, a, 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 a man that uh, is an important man in the synagogue, comes to Jesus. His little daughter's dying, and he pleads with Jesus, Jesus, please come. I believe that if anybody can change her destiny, you can, please come. So Jesus starts walking with this man, Jairus, who is desperate. I want you to know, by the way, that desperate prayer can set in motion a change, chain reaction of God activity. It was this man's prayer that moved the feet of Jesus in a new direction. Don't miss that. It was this man's desperate prayer that rerouted Jesus to a new destination. You see, I believe that the heart of God responds to earnest, desperate, sincere prayer, no matter who you are, whether you've gone to church or not, what your reputation is, male, female, young or old, the heart of God responds to people who have earnest, sincere, desperate prayer. The story I want to focus on is really not about this man and his daughter, though. It's about an interruption that happens as he's on his way to Jairus' house. I'll read verse 24 to you. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, and yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. If you're dealing with secret pain today, 
Our personal pain may go unnoticed by people around us, but it is the force that can drive us away from God or drive us to God. Now, we don't know this woman's story, but we do know a few things about her. We know that she was a woman living with pain. What kind of pain, you ask? Well, there's several kinds of pain that she's living with. Well, first of all, it was physical pain. Uh, she had a hemorrhage, hemorrhage and had been bleeding for 12 years. Uh, that means that she was losing blood every day. If you lose blood over a period of time, you know that you become anemic. People that are anemic oftentimes struggle with energy. They, they, the, the very thing that should sustain them, they're losing. She was constantly bleeding and could not stop her hemorrhaging. And so she was physically weak. She also had financial pain because the Bible says she had spent all that she had trying to cure her ailment. So it started with a sickness, a disease that affected her uh, physically, but now she was depleted financially. She went to her bank account, and there was nothing there. She had spent all that she had trying to solve her problem with doctors, and instead of getting better, her problem seemed to get worse. She was in social pain as well. Because under the Jewish law, a woman that was bleeding like she was would be considered unclean. Uh, that means that uh, if she touched you, it would make you unclean. It means that she would not be allowed to go into the synagogue. It means that if she slept in a bed, that bed was unclean. It means that if she sat on the seat, that seat would be unclean. It means that if she tried to hug her children. If she had children, it would make them unclean. It means that if she couldn't have relationships with a man because it would make him unclean as well. So she was socially ostracized, physically tired, financially depleted, spiritually isolated because according to the Jewish law, when a woman... Uh, was unclean like that, she would be barred from religious activity so she could stand there and watch people go into the equivalent of a church, but she couldn't go in herself. And I believe that all that would lead her to be emotionally exhausted. If we were talking about her today, we would say that she was having mental health issues, probably anxious probably depressed, probably isolated, probably extremely discouraged. I'm wondering if some people can relate to this woman today. Your secret pain. I believe that some people are sitting here today with secret pain. You don't advertise it. You didn't walk in this morning, look at the usher and say, hi, I'm in pain. You try to cover it up. You try to mask it. You don't talk about it. But you know what? As soon as your program ends, you immediately think about the pain. When you're sitting here and the music is done, your mind goes to the pain. When you're driving down I-55 and you have time alone, you start thinking about the pain. The, the pain of the 
depression you're going through, the pain of the marriage that's falling apart, the pain of the loneliness that you're feeling, the pain of your financial issue, the pain of your bad doctor's report, the pain of the family that doesn't talk to you, whatever pain it is, I don't know what it is, but their pain comes in various sizes and forms, but it affects us, it demands our attention, it waves a flag. Anytime there's extra time, our energy goes to trying to run from that pain, solve the pain, deal with the pain, because pain demands our attention. You know, I think about this woman, and I believe that this woman was mobilized by her pain to actually pursue a solution, and in this case, she pursued Jesus. Pain will do that to you, you know. Pain will make you react. If you've ever gone to pick up a, a pan or a hot cup of coffee and it was very hot, what happens? You go to touch it or pick it up, do you just keep your hand there? What happens? You pull away. Immediate reaction because pain demands a reaction. It, my, we had a little dog named Angel that uh, lasted 17 years. Boy, she was old in dog years. But when we were training her as a puppy, she liked to do her business on our carpet. That tested our sanctification, let me tell you. So someone had an idea. They told us, hey, you know, there's these little, we have this, what they call electric fences, they call it, that they put a little collar around you, and uh, if they go into certain areas, it gives them a little shock, so they learn, they stop going there. And so we had, don't worry, it wasn't like real bad. They don't like shake like this, just a little shock. And so we got one of those. It worked really well. But my kids, of course, they, they wanted to see how much shock it was. So they would get it, put it in their hand, and see how much it shocked them, do it with the neighbors. But anytime you held it and there was a little shock, immediately they would release it because no one likes pain. We immediately are reacted by pain. We seek to relieve our pain. The moment you have a headache, you want Tylenol. The moment that you uh, are, are, are feeling pain, you want some sort of relief in your life. And many people are driven to try to find reliefs. And this woman turned her attention towards Jesus, feeling like maybe Jesus could actually do something about this. Verse 27, it says, and when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, we read it very quickly, but I want you to understand and know that there had to be something that drove her to Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Now, who told her? I don't know. But somehow she heard that maybe Jesus could be the solution. That maybe Jesus could, uh, could solve her problem. Another, in Matthew chapter 9, it says, she said to herself, it was a self-talk, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could just get to Jesus, I believe it's God inside calling her, telling her, awakening that inside of her. Some of you are here, and you barely know why you're here, but I believe it's God that's calling you, drawing you to himself, saying, if you could just get 
to Jesus. Two weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity of praying with a woman that came up. Maybe she's here in this auditorium. I don't know. But I, w- I appreciated her honesty. After service, she came up and, and she, she said, hi. She said, it's my first time in church. She said, I, she was honest with me. She said, I'm an unbeliever. So, okay. She said, I'm an unbeliever. She said, but I, I came to this service And I don't know what happened in the service, but something really touched me deep inside as you were speaking. And then she started to weep, and she said, I don't know what it was. And I said to her, I know what it was. It was the Father drawing you to himself, saying, daughter, you belong. Come. You belong. And so I don't know where you're at spiritually today, but I do know this, that God loves you enough that one way or another, he's drawing you to himself he is pulling you to himself, and uh, we, don't, we can't always explain it. We don't always know how to describe it, but it's the incredible, powerful love of God drawing us to himself. Number two, write this down. When our personal pain drives us to reach out in faith and touch God's presence, there's a release of life-changing power where we need it the most. Notice what it says in this verse. It says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and that you ask, who touched me? So here's what happens. This woman says to her, if I could just touch Jesus, she's tired, she's depleted, she goes into a crowd. There's a lot of people. How many of you know crowds aren't friendly? You ever been in a crowd that everybody's trying to get to the same place? People don't say, oh, come on ahead. They're like, get in your place, come on, push. You know, crowds crush people. Crowds are not friendly. There's a crowd trying to get to Jesus. She's this woman that's depleted, She knows also if people knew who I was, if people knew that I touched them, I would make them unclean. So she's secretly going to Jesus, touching people, knowing that she shouldn't be touching people, knowing that she shouldn't be touching a rabbi like Jesus because it would be forbidden in the law for her to touch Jesus and make him unclean. So she's got her own secret inside as she's pressing through the crowd I'm sure she probably got knocked down a couple of times, pushed aside, but yet in her mind she says, if I can just touch Jesus. Now I remember being in a, the, 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 the most crowd, pushing crowd that I remember being in is when my son was 16, Josiah, Pastor Josiah now, but he used, to, he used to listen to what I called screamo music. It kind of sounded like, double pedal drums. And I would say, what are they saying? He said, Dad, this is a Christian band. He said, can't you tell? I said, no, I can't tell a word they're saying. All I hear is, but if he said they're Christian, I figured, okay, they're Christian. So one of the bands was playing down at the Metro with some other bands. 
And down in Chicago, he said, hey, Dad, I really want to go see him. So I went down with him to the Metro. Packed out crowd, back like this. And we were up in the balcony watching the people. And it was back in the day where mosh pits would break out, if you remember mosh pits, sort of. You know what a mosh pit is? Okay, you know, they break out. There's a little section, and people just go crazy wild in that. And we were up in the balcony, and a girl was watching the mosh pits break out, and she said to me, she said, last year I got into one of those mosh pits, and they broke my jaw. I'm like, whoa. So Josiah's next to me, and he says, Dad, I dare you to go down there. (laughs) So, you know, when you're dared a little bit, I said, okay, watch me. So he's like smiling. I go down there. I'm watching him in the balcony. I'm making my way through the crowd. They're pushing. The music's blaring. They're going. And right beside me, a mosh pit breaks out. You know, they make some space, and then people jump in swinging and going crazy. So I look up at him, and he's like, yeah, right, Dan. And I jump in, and I'm swinging and moving around, pushing up against people, doing this. I did it twice, two or three times. And then I looked up at him, and just, I was like, oh, I can't believe you did that, Dad. I made my way out finally, and I thought, I hope no one saw me. I'm standing right in front, and someone comes up to me and says, hey, Pastor Mark. I'm like, hi. I said, I'm just here with my son, you know, my 16. He really likes this music, so I just brought them. They said, yeah, it was so cool to see you in the mosh pit. We tweeted it out. Like, oh, no. (laughs) This lady was the equivalent of a mosh pit trying to get to Jesus. Pressing, pushing. But when she touched the, the garment of Jesus, the Bible says immediately. Can you say that word immediately? Immediately, immediately means suddenly, without delay, in an instant. In fact, it goes on and says, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know, I know that we say we can't trust our feelings. She didn't have time to go get a doctor's report. She didn't have time to go get a blood test. She didn't have time, but she felt like something had changed. And then it says, and at once, in in, in the new NIV, it says immediately and at once, but in the Greek, these are the same words. Uh, The Greek word is the same for both. Eutheos. It means now, immediately. And immediately, Jesus felt power leave him. I I want you to see this. Immediately, she felt like something had changed. And immediately, Jesus felt like power was released from him. I want you to catch this because this is very important. She and her faith, driven by faith, reaches out in desperation. She doesn't hug Jesus. She doesn't grab Jesus. She reaches out and touches, it says that she touches the edge of his It's literally the tassel on his prayer. Men in those days 
would wear these, uh, they would wear these prayer shawls uh, that Jewish men would wear. And at each corner of this prayer blanket cloth shawl, there was a tassel. The tassels actually, this, every Jewish man would wear this that was a practicing Jewish man, but there was 613 knots in the tassel. Each one of them represented, in, in the shawl, it represented 613 laws in the Mosaic Old Testament. It represented the holiness of God. It represented the standard of God. It was a reminder that, hey, that God has a high standard for how we should live. When this woman, unclean, reached out and touched the tassel, she was touching that which symbolized the holiness of God, the standard of God. She, as an impure woman, unclean, touched that which was holy. And I believe there's a symbolic image in this because none of us can touch the holiness of God without the intervention of a Savior, and that's why we need Jesus. And the Bible says that immediately she felt something had changed, and immediately Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. And he turned around, imagine this, he's on his way to his destiny, to Jairus' house, and he says to his disciples, who touched me? And they're like, Jesus, are you kidding? I mean, we're in a crowd. Everybody's pushing. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? No, who touched me? Who touched me? You see, you can be touched by a lot of people, but this was a touch of faith. He noticed that he had been touched in a different way. You can be in a crowd, but there's a difference. Jesus knew that someone had reached out to him in faith. It made him stop, and he was not going to move until he knew who it was that had touched him. And I love that about Jesus because he, he stopped, and he said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, yet you asked, who touched me? And Jesus insisted, I'm not going to move from here. I've been touched by a touch of faith. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to wait until I know who touched me. Let me tell you. Can I tell you this? When you reach out to Jesus in faith, in earnest, childlike faith, there's something powerful that gets the attention of God where he says, I will not move until I identify the person that's touched me in faith. I want you to see this because this is really important. It leads me to my third and last point. Our personal pain may be our felt need, but often there are deeper spiritual needs that are exposed. Finally, after saying, who touched me, who touched me? A woman cowering in the background catches the eyes of Jesus. And she admits that it's her. She knew immediately that Jesus was talking to her. Daughter, he says. Well, first of all, let me show you. He says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, 
came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. You see, this woman lived in private pain. But when Jesus spoke, she knew he was speaking to her. And she came with fear and trembling in front of Jesus because she knew that she was unclean. She thought that no one else knew about it, but when he spoke, she knew he was speaking to her. Can I just say that as I'm preaching the Word of God today, there are some of you that know that God is speaking directly to you, directly to you. Because that's the way the Word of God goes. God knew you would be here. God knew you needed this message. God knew it was you he was reaching out to. That should make your heart melt before the presence of God to know that he loves you enough to speak directly to you through the power of his Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, you don't know my pain. I don't know your pain, but I do know someone who does. Well, you don't know how long I've been doing I don't know how long. And some of you have lived with private pain for a long time. The pain of trauma, the pain of abuse, the pain of isolation, the pain of depression, the pain, physical pain, mental pain, spiritual pain, the pain of anxiety, the pain of isolation, the pain of abandonment, the pain of loneliness, the pain of rejection. But there's someone who's known your pain Your pain has not been a secret to everyone. Sometimes the loneliest place to be is surrounded by a crowd that doesn't know your pain. You want space, but you want to be known. You're crowded, but you can feel anonymous. But there's someone that knows. He's always known. And someone that cares. He's always cared. You're not a number. You're not a statistic. You're not just another face. You're a person that he's been willing to die for, sacrifice for, who's reached out, who's loved you. His name is Jesus, the Son of the living God, Christ the Messiah. I love what he says to this woman. He doesn't call her woman. He doesn't say lady. He doesn't say, why did you touch me? You were unclean. He knows, but he refers to her. She came because she needed healing. Jesus offered her more than healing. He offered her freedom. I want you to see that. He says, daughter. Let me say that again. He says, daughter. He says, daughter. What is daughter? It's a term of endearment. It means that your family. It means that there's a caring there. It, it, it's an unusual expression to refer to someone that you don't know, but you say daughter. 
because she needed more than just a touch that would heal her physical body. She needed a healing and wholeness of her soul, of her isolation, of her abandonment, of her brokenness, of her mental illness, of her, of her feeling uh, rejected by society. She needed more than just physical healing. She needed healing of her heart and soul. And Jesus says, daughter. I love the fact that he calls her out and he's not willing for her to disappear in the crowd because if she disappeared in the crowd, she would have a story. I was sick and I reached out and touched Jesus. Isn't it great I was healed? She would have a story of physical healing. But because Jesus stopped, it was more, a story, it was more than just a story of he healed my body. It was a story of he looked at my eyes. He called me daughter. He set me free. Amen. You see, I believe that Jesus wanted her to speak what had happened to her, not just experience it. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe that we can experience something, but there's something powerful about speaking it. Because when we speak it, we say, we describe it verbally. If someone comes before me and says, hey, um, you know, I've done hundreds of weddings. Someone comes before me. I, I put a mic in front of the groom's uh, face and I say, uh, please say, I do. And if they would say, Pastor, I just, you know, it's kind of private. It's in my own heart. I do in my heart, but I don't want to say it. I said, dude, you say it or I'm not going to sign that certificate of marriage. Don't tell me it's in your heart. I want to hear you say it. Do you or do you not? There's something about saying it that goes beyond just our heart. And can I sidetrack a little bit? So if you're with a guy and he's saying, hey, babe, I love you. You know my heart. I love you. And you keep saying, well, when are you going to marry me? Hey, babe, you know that piece of paper, you know that ceremony stuff. I'm just not into that. I'm a free-flowing spirit. You know, I, I'm just saying I want to hear you say I do publicly in front of everybody. And I would. Don't tell me you love her in your heart, but you're not willing to say I do in front of other people. Come on. Uh, yeah, that's all the women clapping. There's a couple guys saying, I knew I shouldn't have come today. I, 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 is there another church we can go to? I just don't do this pastor. I don't know. He gets a little. But it's the same of following Jesus. You know, when, when people are called to follow Jesus, I, that's why when I call people to follow Jesus, I don't want you just to say, I believe in my heart. It's my private thing. No, if you're going to follow Jesus, I want you to be public about it. I want you to state it. I want you to declare it. I want you to believe in your heart, but I want you to confess with your mouth. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, but confess with your mouth. Why is this so important to confess? Because you're making it public. You're stating something about a private decision. You're making it public. I think Jesus knew this woman needed to speak the whole truth. She needed to say 
The Bible says, and she fell and she said the whole truth. We don't know what she said, but she had to say, I've been unclean for 12 years. I've been sick for 12 years. I've been isolated. I shouldn't have touched you. I'm unclean. I thought maybe I, this was the whole truth is I needed a touch from you. And I believe that I've changed. I believe I can't explain it. I don't have a doctor's report, but I felt like something changed inside of me. And I know I'm healed. She needed to say it. 